Hello, it's Denise from Women Beyond a Certain Age. Now, I say every single time I'm so excited, <laughs> people must think, God, girl, get a life. But today I am, I'm, I'm excited and I'm nostalgic and I'm a little bit teary-eyed because my girlfriend, Marinda Freeman, is my guest. Hello, Marinda. Hello. And we were just saying before Cindy started to record, Marinda and I met each other in about 1995. <sighs> I can't believe that. So that's 25 years ago. And now we're looking at each other on our Zoom platform. We both, uh, we, our hair color has changed. <laughs> my, my incredibly auburn locks are gone. And you, I, I love your hair. It's more gray than it is blonde. Oh, it's, yeah. it's beautiful. Well, Miranda's here today to talk about, I have to tell you, talk about something that we, I think everyone needs. And because she is the author and wrote a book entitled The Grief Train, A Healing Journey of Love, Loss and Renewal. Marinda contacted me after she'd written the book. And we have a copy that we are going to, uh, when we, we have a book giveaway, Miss Marinda, and we will, somebody, people just, you know, write in and then whoever, we pick it out of the hat. But Marinda was generous enough to send us three copies and a friend of mine that was really through a cooking organization, her husband went into the hospital and never came out. So I sent her a copy of your book, Marinda, and um, I, she, I, I don't know what she's done with it yet because I think one of the things that your book talks about, and I want people, I need you to tell people your story about my book. One of the things that I, reading it today, all morning, I love it, I couldn't put it down, is that it's, it's, it's really a story of love and yes, grief, okay? And I always think you don't get one without the other. <laughs> that's, you know, I mean, that's the price we pay, isn't it? I mean, really. Yeah. So you have to tell, start people, tell us, and also then we're gonna talk about how you got the motivation to do the writing, because I think most people, when they hit 50, 60, they could write a book about something in their life that would really help others, but not everyone has the, you know, the motivation or the tools to do it. So that's, that's your big entrance. Now go to town, girl. Okay. <laughs> Thank you, Denise. It's delightful to be here with you. And I appreciate the time to share with people about my book and uh, just briefly the background story is you that uh, my husband died suddenly of a heart attack, okay, uh, no notice exactly or anything. Like and um, <laughs> of course I do events. And so I had four events in the next two weeks after he died. So I couldn't exactly stop. And then I created two memorials, oh, no, one no, for Denise his business associates where, where and then one for family and friends. So all of that was happening after he died. And then I got through the end of the year and I started a blog to just write about my experiences uh, and feelings as I started exploring 
what is this grief? Because when he died, when I heard that he died, it was the first thought I had was widow. Well, I've never done that before. That's a new experience. Uh, and yes. widow is such a weird word. Yes. That, um, you know, we have all these connotations of what that means. And uh, I started studying grief. And what does grief mean? What's the difference between grief and sadness? And there are distinctions and grief we have to dive deep into the grief, into our feelings. We have to allow our feelings. We have to be with our feelings and we have to dive deep into them so that we can come back out into life. Otherwise we get stuck and we're not moving forward in life. But uh, grief, you know, is the emotion and we can't control the emotion just as so we can control the waves in the ocean. But grieving and mourning are the actions that we can take. And that uh, one of the first things I did was create an altar, uh, which I've always seemed to do when I've had someone that's a loss, but altars can be just beautiful places to rest our eye and remember the oneness of spirit. But I created an altar for my husband to have some place to focus my grief and honoring him and remembering him. And you asked me, how did I start writing? Well, actually, I had a friend who was a medium and I had contacted her after Mike died and said, you know, how long do I have to wait before we have a session? How long does it take for him to land? Do you see this as an, an extension of your event planning, Miranda? I mean <laughs> Well, I read that part in your book. I'm not making light of any. I, I would do. I would probably do the same thing because I have had uh, readings with mediums that not for a while, but I have to tell you, I had one 25 years ago that it's everything she said has exactly been that way. Do you know what I mean? So I'm, but your whole book and I love it because and when people read it, they'll see you. It's an event planner's book on grief. It's wonderful. In some sense, it is. Yes. Or, I mean, thank God I wrote it down because yes. uh, I was in a fog. Of you know, course. I didn't remember. I had this big timeline of everything I did for his memorial where all the family and friends came. And I'm, I'm reading it going, oh, my brother and sister-in-law had a dinner for us. Isn't that nice? I didn't remember it at all. You know, you're just in such a fog. And really, you know, we have to be compassionate with ourselves because I think the fog lasts at least a year or more, which is a cushion for the shock of them being gone, that they're no longer present. And we have to get used to that change. They're good. They just took off their earth suit. But meanwhile, back at the ranch, we're like, whoa, where are they? And where am I? And having to adjust to that. I always say this, and you know, this is something, and Miranda, you probably would have, you'll have some advice. I, if pe When people die, and there's a great quote right on the back of your book that says, it. one, I don't think that we are, none of us are ever prepared for it. I mean, because we, no one talks about it because it's feelings, exactly what you said, and you have to go deep. So people just say things like, oh, I'm sorry. Do you know what I mean? I mean, they just don't even wanna go near the pain. Right. I don't think we're taught how to grieve or to, you know, taught to deal with our feelings. Right. But you just said it beautifully. The reason the fog and the confusion is, is, is you said it's padding. I mean, now for me, my mother, when my mother died, and 
Miranda also talks about her mother who died when Miranda was very young. So grieving is not just about spouses. Do you know what I mean? It can be your best friend. It can be someone that you admire. I mean, that's one of the things that I, I do know, but I think that, I think that there's a protective, there's a protective fog that we need so to get through all this. Okay, that's where I was going with that. And I love that you said that because I think it's true. And now talk about grieving as a nation. The other night when, and we've had such, I mean, the other night when Joe Biden and Kamala and their spouses were at the front of the White House with all those candles representing a half a million people have died. And all I know is it, it was a visual that we have not seen because of all the disinformation about, oh, it's nothing, nobody's dying, blah, blah. Well, you know, at some point as a nation, we have to grieve for, and when you said it to me, I have to tell people this morning because it's so perfect of you. Yesterday, my phone rings at 10 to one and, and it's Tuesday and I hear, I see it's Marinda Freeman coming up and it says, hi, I haven't gotten my invite. And I said, it's today. And now this is the best part of gap, though just old age confusion. She says to me, oh, I need a, 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 a link for the Zoom. I said, Marinda, today's Tuesday. It's not till Wednesday. And she said, oh, it's tomorrow. Oh, good, because I'm so busy today. <laughs> but the best part was, I didn't know what day it was either, Marinda. So if you had said, oh, it's today, I would have said, okay, fine. We'll have to call Cindy. Um, but I loved that. And one of the things that several of the things we just talked for a minute yesterday, and I just, I think several of the things you've said about writing are so, so good for everybody who's listening today. Okay, that's all. I, I'm just amazed at that you've done all, honey, it's a difficult situation and no one knows what to say. Yes, well, this is true. And you know, I, I think I, I in my study of grief and mourning, because I read so many books, and then I got um, uh, interested in looking at the protocol and etiquette of the 1800s. And then there was an exhibit at the New York Metropolitan Museum Costume Institute called Death Becomes Her A Century of Mourning Attire, 1815 to 1915. There was so much etiquette of how you followed what happened when someone died that we don't have anymore. And the thing is, you know, they talked about death all the time because people died at home and they would put black crepe draped on their front door so people would know someone died. You know, they never talked about sex, but they talked about death a lot. We've gotten the other way. We talk about sex all the time, but we don't talk about death. And, uh, you know, there has to be a shift. And I think this pandemic with all of the deaths is in some way a weird blessing for us to realize that we all take this trip. You know, as they say, we don't get out of this alive. So let's be more aware and awake to the situation and the circumstances so that it's not a shock and a surprise that this happens because this happens to everyone so that we can be prepared to be compassionate and to I think when people are dying, we are birthing them into their next experience. 
And that's, you know, when we can be with them. And so much of the COVID deaths have been where they couldn't be with them, which makes it so yes. much harder. And, you know, it's heartbreaking. And I think we need to have a national day of mourning. And thank goodness that our president has started to acknowledge these deaths and to really seriously note the grief that it, uh, has come and affects so many more people than the half a million people that have died. That's what I was trying to remember. When you and I said this yesterday, if you figure that four people to each person that is dead, a yeah. small family, okay. and you multiply that out, all of a sudden we have two or three million people in America that are in mourning yeah. that are still in the pandemic, yeah. that may be just having so many day-to-day -day struggles of their own. But right. at some point, we have to deal with it. That's all I think. And I think a day, a national day of mourning sounds wonderful and putting it in the context of helping people, you know, in any way we can. Yeah, well, just in the, uh, yesterday's New York Times, there was an article about a couple towns in Italy that have created um, monuments to those that have died in their town. So because I think it's been difficult for governments to start to acknowledge this or address it, you know, uh, people are starting to do that on a smaller scale, which is wonderful because it is a personal thing. And this one um, sort of a sculpture, it was a tower created of rocks and they asked everyone that had lost someone to gather a rock from the river and write their name on it. So it became a very moving tower that you don't even see all of that. But uh, hearing that, there's just so much um, love that's poured into that and remembrance that it's a beautiful thing. And I think the more that we can do it and on a personal basis, just creating an altar in our home that with uh, a plant or flowers, some pictures, a candle, maybe some found objects, so that you have a place of remembrance and focusing your grief and, and remembering the loved ones that you have lost is important. You know, the uh, Day of the Dead ceremony that they have on November 1st is another uh, way that we can remember uh, and really take that uh, as our own, because that is the time where there's the thinning of the veils between uh, this world and the next, which is why they have it at that time. And, you know, they create these beautiful altars with photographs and food and flowers. And uh, what a wonderful way for us to um, use that for ourselves to acknowledge and honor those beautiful ones that we have lost. I am going to actually be in Mexico for the Day of the Dead this year. Oh. I've always wanted to go. A friend has rented a private villa and there's just a few of us. We've kind of been a pandemic pod together. Do you know what I mean? And now I'm so old, of course, I'm gonna have my second vaccination any day now, so I can hardly wait. Now, Maruna, tell me, because I've been lucky enough to read your book, are there, things that people, I know it, when I read it, you have some very close friends that were such a big support group to you that you can tell by reading your book. But one of the things I liked best about it was when you talked about Mike's possessions, you didn't clean out everything at once. And I think that's where, when people, 
I mean, and this has been with my own mother when my father died. She said, oh, I have to clean daddy's stuff out. And I kept saying, why so fast, mom? Do you know what I mean? And why so fast? Like, why can't you live with that for a little bit? Um, I think sometimes people expect grief to have a time schedule is what I'm trying to say. And your book, I think, um, shows that that's not true. <laughs> Yeah, there is no right or wrong way to grieve and there is no time frame there, you know, and that's why I call it the grief train because uh, we never know when that grief train is going to show up at our station. All of a sudden we are washed over with grief again. It could be years later and something triggers us and it shows up again. And I uh, just picked up a new book by Hope Edelman called The After Grief, which oh. explains that, again, it's exactly what I'm saying. It'll show up months, years later, oh, yeah. where, you know, that something sparks us. And so that to shift people's awareness from the things that, you know, aren't you done with that already? No, it is not something that you're ever done with. But you know, you, it's a gentling of your heart. And it, it doesn't um, strike your heart so much all the time. But there are times that it will be a flash again. And you've got this wave of emotion of grief. So that, um, I, I think people have to have more compassion for anyone that's experienced death to understand that, you know, we all have this, but it's, it's an emotion that we can't control and it never goes away. You know, the love is what remains. That's the bottom line. Love is what always is there and never leaves. And we hold that in our hearts. I think you just said it, uh, Miranda, I'll tell you that. And there's the other, I see, we move so quickly as a society. I mean, now faster, 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 faster. I mean, can you believe that we did, when we did Passport, there was the internet, but we used fax machines, I think still, okay? Yeah. So, I mean, look at the difference that, it, you know, what's happened in event planning. And I know this, or in catering, I always say this, we, it would take you days, several days to get the menu to the client. Do you know what I mean? It, it took weeks. Now people want something and they want it that afternoon. Do you know what I mean? Or they want it in two hours. Mm -hmm. So because we've become this fast moving culture. And I think what you just said it though, you said, when is it going to end or you're not still doing that well of course you're still doing that do you know what i mean of course you are you're on your time schedule not on other people's time schedule but i do think that people and i'm guilty of it marinda and that i'm always thinking moving on do you know what i mean that is i mean i've done this in every business was bad i think it'll be better tomorrow move on do you know what i mean i'm a firm believer in not dwelling um in a negative space because that's just not me. But that's different than grief. It is different. And it's, it, it's something that I think we guess uh, this is an opportunity for people to learn something different about this, especially with COVID. And, and it's not just all the COVID deaths. We have lost our connection of being with people and yeah. being out in the world. So there's so much loss and so, uh, to learn to have compassion for ourselves, for the grief that we feel just for that, for not being able to be out and connect with loved ones. Uh, it's all part of that. 
but I think that it's important. Uh, this is a learning period. This is a, a time of pausing. This whole pandemic time is a time for pausing. There, there's always a reason uh, for circumstances and we get to figure out what it is as we look back. You know, it's, um, I'd use my book as an example. I started a blog post because that was what my husband with the medium um, session said I had to have an assignment and my assignment was to write a blog. He gave me 10 things to do, but I don't know where that list is. But I started the blog and it was no intention to write a book. The intention was just to write my feelings. And, you know, I in my blog posts that are in the book, I mention all these books I'm reading and all the study I'm doing. Um, and it was a good year and a half two years into just writing the blog that uh, I would talk to a friend who'd lost someone and I would send them the link to my blog because it wasn't something I was promoting and they would find that it helped them a lot. And I had started in a writing group um, actually before, well, after I'd started the blog and I started in a writing group to write my event book and a couple of years in, I was too busy with events. And so I started reading my blog posts and they said, oh, you have to turn this into a book. So again, it wasn't my idea. <laughs> it was uh, the direction. And then that took me on a journey of a good four years of more exploration and writing uh, because I had not written anything about what happened. I just started the blog post. So to write the book, I had to fill in some blanks. Honey, it, it's very impressive to read. It's very impressive to read. And, um, oh, and I think that it can, I think, as you say, I think that's such a long process that even if you think you've grieved for someone, I think there's, there's, you can go back and look at behavior. Do you know what I mean? And you were saying about in the pandemic, look at your MP. Paper. Sometimes I look back at my life and I think I was in a lot of pain. Okay. <laughs> Maybe I didn't know it, but that's what it was. Yeah. Now, last night, Kenny, my husband's cousin, who's just a darling, first grade teacher, her children are grown. So she's doing all her teaching at home. I had something that I thought she might use for her dollhouse, this kind of little farm thing. She said, oh, she'd love it. So she came over. She had one drink with us. We all kept our masks on and social distance. But I realized, Marinda, that I was talking like a mad hatter because I hadn't seen anyone else in my house for so long. Yeah. I was almost in tears when she left. Do you know what I mean? And I haven't thought that I, I don't feel lonely, but I do miss people coming over to my house and having a glass of wine or putting out some cheese and crackers or, you know, seeing Cindy every day since, I mean, that's been since I stopped working. But I, I, I said to Kenny this morning, I want to apologize. I know you couldn't get a word in edgewise last night because I couldn't stop talking to Jackie because I was so happy to see her. Right. Yes. Well, and you know, um, this is our pause. And so that we have to maybe more consciously approach our lives when we are released from this pandemic so that we shift. I mean, this is part of the shift. We're rising to a higher vibration, greater awareness of our connection. We're all connected. I mean, this pandemic has certainly shown it on a 
horribly graphic way that the whole world is connected with this pandemic. So it's not just the internet anymore, it just shows all the ways that we are connected and have to care for everyone in the world, not just our neighbors and our country. So I, I think and I hope that this, this is part of a wake up call that we're able to uh, move forward in a different way with more compassion and love for each other, despite the appearances of what we've had in the past for the last few years. Yes, I, I couldn't agree more. What, what do you see? I know, Marinda, you're very, I know that we talked yesterday just for a moment. I know you're still doing event planning. Mm -hmm. And I love, and this book, writing this book has been wonderful. What else, is there anything else you want to do as you're looking forward? See, that's where I am at right now, as I found out, it took me a year. I don't want to work. <laughs> I've been working for 50 something years. And you know what? At first we moved here and I, and Cindy, I would still help Cindy or just a little bit and stuff. Cindy doesn't need me. Ah, Jesus Christ. I'm just an old fart in the wind. So, but what I have learned was I don't want to work at what I worked at anymore. Do you know what I mean? That's pandemic or not. That's not what I want to do. So, I'm having to do what you talked about. I have, I'm really trying to dig deep and study myself as to what I should be doing next before the grief train comes and parks, parks in front of my house. <laughs> it comes and goes, I'm gonna tell you that. <laughs> it doesn't stay, it's got a, you know, it's on the track, it keeps going. But um, I think for myself, it's all about creativity and that um, I, I see myself transferring from actively planning events in the next few years to just the writing, which I said, I, you know, I actually started my event book before the grief train. So I got sidetracked by the grief train, which uh, is a blessing because uh, I didn't know that I had to write this book and then for it to come out during the pandemic when it's actually needed more than ever to help others have solace and inspiration in their process of grief. But I see myself finishing my event book, which is really about thinking about how you approach life, but in the domain of events. And then I've got another book on my list to write. So I'm gonna be the writer and uh, I've always been in creative uh, endeavors. So it's, I don't look at it as stopping work or working as much as shifting uh, my attention and what I spend my time on. Yes, that, no, that's it. One of my friends, who's, uh, several of my friends that have been, are about my age, we keep calling it, we're pivoting. Do you know what I mean? So we're looking yeah. to pivot. Yeah. You know, see, I've written, I, I mean, I still have one or two more books in me, Marinda, but a lot of work. <laughs> See, you seem to be catching me on a very lazy, very lazy time in my life. Um, no, but I, well, I'm proud of you. That's all I can say. Now, we should tell one horror story from when we met at Passport, only because as an event planner, and I need people to realize, I had been working for Macy's for many years before Passport. And if people don't know, Passport was the biggest a fashion show in the world and it was totally put together by Macy's um, 
to benefit AIDS, okay? Before it was popular, remember that. So Miranda Rand was really the umbrella. If you think of an umbrella, she was the top of the umbrella and there was San Francisco and Los Angeles. And I had worked for Macy's for years in Los Angeles for cooking demos and their special events. So that's how we met. And um, in Los Angeles, I did several different jobs for Miranda. Once, one time it was just the, um, just the celebrity food in the green things. And I was supposed to have food for the models. Do you remember that? And those poor skinny girls, they were pinwheels, Miranda. I bought, we bought the least fattening cheap food we can because it was a fundraiser. And they were pinwheels that had a little bit of like vegetable in them. And the poor girls undid the pinwheels and licked off the cream cheese, but wouldn't eat the carb of the tortilla. So when I went back into their tents, there were just strips of tortilla. And I remember thinking, hmm, okay, note to self. I realized we should have just put out some celery sticks and left it that. A little crudite would have been good. <laughs> I didn't want any real food. <laughs> what do you remember about Passport? Oh, well, uh, for me, it was actually the beginning of a journey of being aware of creating an intention and uh, having it manifest and looking at principles of event design uh. and seeing those manifest that I started proving to myself over the next 20 plus years with my clients and uh, for myself with other events that I did a pro bono um, work with the schools doing a, a school event and using that as a laboratory for growing the event. And I've always grown events, but I think uh, having the language to describe how that works is the challenging part when we're used to be able to just making it happen and other people don't understand how that works. And so how do you describe it became my challenge to look at what are the underlying principles. And so, you know, one is what you focus on increases. So when you pay attention to your purpose and where you're going, you're giving that attention, that's what's going to grow. So uh, all, these are actually life lessons, but I'm using them in the domain of events. So um, well, thank you for answering, because I think you just made one of us look really deep and spiritual. <laughs> and one of us looked like a total jackass. I, I'm not going to mention anything. Not true, not true. But, but no, I, I've seen it with you, Murder, and I get that. And that's wonderful. It's wonderful. I'm thrilled. Well, honey, now listen, I hope, here's what I'm thinking, that it won't be so long before I talk to you again. And in a few months, you will come back and we will talk again. And, and maybe not, we'll be a little further along if that's in the pandemic. And some of the things you have to say might even be more valuable to people that have been suffering in, during this time. Well, it's interesting. I have um, had some interviews. I had CBS News. Oh, good. Interviewed me um, because of all of this circumstance and the grief and loss that's occurring. Um, and I've had uh, another podcast interview. So if people are interested, they can go to my website at thegrieftrain.com. Perfect. And also there are links to order the book. Um, I just 
offer that this is for anyone that has experienced a loss and wants to um, be comforted and encouraged that exactly where they are and what they're doing is what they need to do and to um, just be uh, create some solace for them and inspiration that helps them on their journey. Okay, you're making me cry. And I want, but I need to tell you something. I love you so much. I'm so glad to see you. That's my intention for today. I love you very much, Miranda, and I've, I'm so glad to see you. So everyone, everybody knows Cindy is in charge of, Cindy will, when we put up uh, Mar Marinda's podcast, we always include the information and everything you've heard today and links so that people can contact. Marinda, if you have any questions for Marinda, you know we're happy to uh, ask her. And Marinda, I cannot thank you enough for your time today, darling. Oh. And I love, I love the new hair. Thank you. <laughs> I mean, I think it's just amazing that you and I look exactly the same. We do. We haven't changed a bit. I haven't changed one bit in 25 years. All it is is our hair color. That's pretty, that's a trick. That's a trick. Reach us at womenbeyond at icloud.com. And that's why Cindy is the producer and I am not. <laughs> Well, thank you, Miss Miranda. I love you. Goodbye. Thank you. Bye.